Welcome to Determined to Succeed. I'm your host, Dawn Malarney, also known as the Unique Connector. So I have a really interesting fact that I want to read, that the World Economic Forum in 2022, the amount of funding and investing that they did in social impact was around $30 trillion. So Nick, what do you have to say about that? $30 trillion. Uh it's difficult to even wrap your head around a figure that large. Um, to even dovetail off that statistic, I heard that within the next 10 years, the World Economic Forum is projecting that that figure will grow by an additional $30 trillion. So 60, 60 trillion in total, can't even fathom it, um, but it is incredible validation around the topic of social enterprises and social impact businesses um, becoming more or less synonymous with just the future of, of business as a whole. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, you've had quite the interesting journey in life and how your focus even do on what you do now and the impact that you're making on other people. Let's kind of even talk about what you're focusing on right now. Yeah, thank you so much. We um, Two things in particular, um, myself and uh, uh, one of my best friends, we own a business called CultureCon. So that takes up uh, most of, of my time and energy. CultureCon is a company that inspires positive change around organizational culture. Uh, what we're really known for is large-scale conferences that we host around the country that bring people together um, to learn from world-renowned experts in the field of organizational culture, and um, probably more importantly, be able to make connections with other attendees um, so that they can leave our conferences and go back to their places of work and be change agents to help kind of spark that positive change around workplace culture. So um, that takes up most of my time. And then uh, in, in the fall, I'll be returning to uh, teaching at Edgewood College. I'm an adjunct faculty member teaching a uh, course on social entrepreneurship and small business management. So um, being able to teach in that field has certainly taught me a lot about the topic. Um, and then being able to bring that into my work at CultureCon has been a really fruitful and fulfilling experience. I didn't know that. Well, that's really exciting. Look at all the change and the impact that you're making on so many people. Look at that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, and this is why, you know, I always giggle too when I look at the website and it's like the culture geeks, you know, is what your hashtag is. And so, you know, it's just been kind of an interesting path. And what do you feel was kind of that pivotal moment of what made you decide to take the leap but then also to just really focus on that. Yeah, you know, I think it probably goes back to, I had two really incredible professors and mentors um, during my time in undergraduate and graduate school. Um, Dr. Moses Altsek, who now teaches within UW School of Business um, in consumer behavior and marketing research. And then Dr. Dennis Collins, who um, passed away a couple of years ago. He was world renowned in the field of um, organizational ethics. And between those two professors, I was just completely pulled into the topic of, I guess it's grounded in social anthropology. I've just always been fascinated by, you know, why do people behave the way that they behave? So whether we were talking about organizational ethics or consumer behavior, marketing research, it always tied back to just like, why are humans the way that they are type of thing? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Yeah. And so um, fast forward into kind of my early professional career, I just was so lucky to continuously work for companies that not only did work with startups and entrepreneurs in the area, but also encouraged me to pursue my own entrepreneurial projects. And so I think early on, I was able to start dabbling what I would call more passion projects. I don't know if I necessarily had an ambition to scale businesses in a, in a, in a, in a sense, um, but it got me more confidence in being able to develop ideas iteratively in a way that I felt didn't hold a ton of risk. Um, I, I would call it social entrepreneurship. So it's th this idea of being able to um, help my employers be able to elevate their own products and services through side projects that I was working on that had some sort of social impact uh, or environmental impact on the side. And so um, that was something that I did for probably the ballpark of eight years before I was finally in a position where I felt like um, I had enough confidence and I had enough resources to be able to make the flip to being a full-time entrepreneur, very similar to, you know, an exciting change that, that you've made recently too. And um, I don't know if I would have gotten there just to jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down type of mentality. It was pretty critical that I had those years of developing a network, developing resources, developing confidence on how to iterative, iteratively develop ideas and businesses. So um, just a ton of gratitude for my employers in the past for letting me, letting me do that. Mm. Well, I say, you know, besides that of confidence, it was courageous of you too, you know, to, to finally lean into what you knew was making such an impact on so many more people than just even yourself too. It was something that you were passionate about, but you were going to make just like that ripple effect on so many people. And, you know, mm. I got to attend culture con last year and it was so cool to see all of it come to fruition. And especially after COVID, it was my first big event with all those people. And I loved every minute of it. And I loved you know, me, I'm one that always loves to kind of get my hands in and, and, and get like dirty and see what's all the moving parts. And you let me help with registration and, and the book sale and all these things. And I just loved watching and analyzing the people and what they're doing and how they're mingling. And the coolest part I thought about that event was so many people flew in for your event. It wasn't even people from our community. It was so many people were flying in. So it was so cool to see how the waves were just going further and further and further out than just Madison. Yeah. Yeah. We're still just completely blown away by that. Um, 2018 was the first year that we hosted uh, a large scale culture count event in Madison. And for that first event, it was very much more localized, obviously. I mean, we had people coming in from across the state, um, but most of the people from from Madison. Mm -hmm. So now fast forward to today, um, the majority of the attendees come from outside the state of, of Wisconsin. Um, and it's always so funny to, you know, individuals visiting Madison for the first time, I think they go to Google and they just type in like, what are fun things to do in Madison? So when yes. people arrive, it's just like, cheese curds and uh, Memorial Union Terrace. And I mean, we're, and we're all for it. I mean, we of course love celebrating 
Madison as part of our of our conference experience. And now actually, um, we have some pretty good justification for hosting it here. Uh, in the past, people would ask, you know, why why Madison? And the honest answer is because this is our hometown and we're lazy and don't want to do it anywhere else. Um, <laughs> but the close second to that now is Madison just keeps coming up on these incredible um, publications for being one of the best cities to live in the entire country. So I think livability.com, we're two years in a row, coming up on three years in a, in a row. And um, from commutability and um, you know wage and all these other dimensions that they use to evaluate a city uh, totally folds into the idea of having uh, positive and healthy workplace culture because the physical environment that you live in holds um, great power in your ability to show up to work and bring your best self forward. So now, now we actually have some good, some good justification on why, why we mm -hmm. host our flagship event here every year. But yeah, thank you for, for those observations. I, we feel the same way, just being able to sit back. Hopefully we can sit back from time to time and just kind of see how attendees are connecting with one another and um, being able to get out of the venue and explore the city at a deeper level is a really, really rewarding thing to, to see. Yeah, well, and I would say, you know, for you, you have the event coming up. And I guess, you know, for you guys, even when you're creating this event, how are you, you know, selecting the speakers and mm. selecting the different topics for people you know, with everything going on with culture and impact that they could be bringing to the, to the community of people. Yeah. Um, boy, when we first started talking about CultureCon, the idea for it, so this would have been 2017, um, it's not to say that organizational culture wasn't an important topic and wasn't top of mind for a lot of companies but relative to what it is right now, it's through the pandemic and, and other things that have happened over the past five years, it has really catapulted to being one of the most important business imperatives for companies of all shapes and sizes. So um, we have the luxury of now, you know, having that, um, having that as being a part of our core mission. Companies, speakers specifically, um, reach out to us from all across the world asking if they can if they can speak on a, a subject that's important to them so as you know workplace culture is a very gooey thing to dive into and explore so topics range from anything from corporate social responsibility and social impact um, diversity equity inclusion and belonging innovation employer brand talent acquisition candidate experience right that list goes on and on. Um, so each year we go through a process of doing an open call for speakers. So we kind of send a blast out and uh, for about two months, we let applications come in. Then we go through a evaluation process. So we have about four individuals that are part of our community that help us rate and review these speakers. I would call it more or less kind of a, a merit-based qualification process. So we have criteria that we look for. And then we have our community actually go through the process of, of helping identify what speakers and what topics are most, most important. And so um, in the beginning, I think it was kind of hard to, to do outreach and, and have um, speakers 
come to Madison and, and kind of give their give their passion to our audience. But um, but now, thanks to you know around five years of um, brand awareness and credibility, we're we're pretty grateful to have executives from companies like Google, and Nike, and Netflix, and a whole slew of others that have some pretty important lessons learned and uh, stories to share with our audience. And I think yeah. that that's one of the most um, interesting and cool aspects of our large scale conferences is um, a lot of their presentations come from experiments and lessons learned. So it's, it's less theoretical and more grounded in um, practical applications. So that's something that we, we really try and push for is when you leave a speaker session, uh, hopefully you're walking out of there feeling like what you just learned is actionable, that you have a framework and a tool set that you can then go back to your place of work and, um, and apply. So uh, yeah, it's crazy how much has changed in just uh, a few, a few short years. And, um, you know, we're very, very grateful to be able to showcase uh, Madison to, uh, to companies close and far. Yeah. Well, look at that. Just all of those different companies and big names that you have gotten involved with you guys, which is just amazing. And I hope you guys celebrate that because that's not an easy thing. And, you know, I kind of even want to switch gears a little bit here just because I've known you for years and, you know, Sorry about that. no, I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy we met. And this is where, you know, I always kind of giggle because I'm kind of similar to you too, where it's like, once you see your family doing certain things, either you want to do what they're doing, or you're like, mm, not going to do that. I'm going to go the opposite way. And so you kind of have an interesting family history of entrepreneurship and just your own journey of things. So let's kind of even talk about that topic. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on all of that since your family was really into entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, multiple generations of entrepreneurs in my family, mo mostly within the restaurant industry, which, um, mm -hmm. as you know, can, can be one of the most stressful and demanding industries to be involved in. Um, but my dad, um, for over 25 years, he owned and managed uh, his own indoor soccer facility. And so, uh, you know, my entire youth was kind of seeing my dad's journey through entrepreneurship from that lens. And um, boy, he so much self-sacrifice from him uh, getting that business not only up and going, which was a feat in and of itself, but then maintaining it with demands of, um, you know, high employee turnover and um, a bunch of other variables that are extremely difficult to control and predict. And so just seeing him, um, how much self-sacrifice he made uh, to provide for our family, I, I was all but convinced that entrepreneurship wasn't in the cards for me. I, I kind of saw it as just something that was gonna be way too stressful for me and way too demanding. Um, so it, it really wasn't until, as I described earlier, working for these organizations that kind of helped encourage me to, um, pursue some of these passion projects. And I think that's what brought me to entrepreneurship is over time, there were certain ideas that were just really interesting to me that in some way, shape or form, maybe I didn't realize it at the time was pulling at a core value of mine or an intrinsic mm -hmm. motivator. Um, 
And I think that that was a pivotal moment in not only my journey as an entrepreneur, but then now more in line with social entrepreneurship are these ideas that can really be fruitful to your passions and, and causes that are very important to you. Um, and that's just been a wonderful motivating factor to develop ideas that are um, authentic to who you are and the world you wanna you wanna live in. So yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship for pretty much my entire youth and early professional career, I didn't think I didn't think it was in the cards for me. Mm. Well, I love that. And I think that's where too, sometimes we have this path laid out that we think is going to, you know, we go to school for this, or we get this certain certification, we're going to go this way. And, and one thing that I love that you say is too, is the organizations that you worked for is because I think sometimes some organizations don't think the impact that they can make on employees, you know, and they overlook it. And, you know, for my listeners, you know, some are entrepreneurs, some are corporate people. And, you know, I think that's one piece of advice. I really think that a lot of companies need to listen and to understand of like, all of us have certain things we're passionate about outside of work. Not saying that we're not passionate about what we do day to day for them, but it's just, there's other things and the things that too are our core values. And so I love that you leaned into that because some places just aren't as friendly or open mm. to that idea, I mm -hmm. guess. But I love right. that you were able to find that because look at if you wouldn't have had that, you wouldn't be where you are now. Right, right. And I think too, um, employers are catching on to this concept. It's called creating shared value. Um, if you kind of picture a Venn diagram, you have on one side a sphere is building economic interests for the company. So like driving value. And the other sphere is driving social or environmental value. And then where the two spheres overlap in the middle is this concept of creating shared value. And there's so much data right now that points to that center of the Venn diagram is where the most profitable businesses are gonna live um, and stay in the future. And it's, it's just kind of grounded in this idea that we have some pretty big societal and environmental problems to solve. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that ability to write, develop really novel ideas and processes to tackle some of the most important problems out there. And so I think companies are starting to realize that there is so much um, promising ideation that lives within their four walls. And so for them to create an environment where their employees have permission pathways to develop ideas that are not only fruitful for the company, but also have societal environmental value, um, that's a massive motivating factor, not only for profitability for the company, but your ability to retain top talent too, right? People, yeah. people absolutely want to feel like there's cause within the company that they work for. And if they're a part of it, if they have ha a hand in building that cause, holy smokes, that is, that is a big, big deal. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful um, and I'm excited by how much um, social good is going to come out of what's called social entrepreneurship in the years to come. Mm, I love that. And this is why, you know, all the different corporations or, you know, their employees should be coming to CultureCon. I'm going to do a quick plan on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I should. So, Woo! you know, 
even tell the date of when the next one is because it's coming up and you know I could talk to you all day on this topic because I think it is such an important thing and why companies should really focus on you know making a bigger impact with their employees and their culture oh gosh thank you so much Don. yeah um the dates are August 16th and 17th in Madison, Wisconsin here. Um, the day before, so August 15th, we actually run a, um, a pre-conference workshop that's uh, taught by Dr. Darren Ike, who's an expert in design thinking and innovation. And that's mm -hmm. a big part of his piece of work actually is this, um, this lens of social entrepreneurship. And um, just to give you an example of social entrepreneurship, of, of recent years, um, Levi's actually, Levi Jeans was able to develop a new line of jeans. They're called waterless jeans. Okay. And it was an idea developed by individuals within their manufacturing and R&D departments. So they kind of asked this question, um, what would it be like to manufacture jeans without water? So um, not only it, over time, they're able to actually develop this idea and execute on it. So now this waterless jeans line, I think is one of their most popular, if not the most popular line of jeans that they have on the market. So check on the profitability standpoint, mm -hmm. but now their ability to uh, develop jeans, manufacture jeans in a more cost-effective way because of the water yeah. reduction. And then also um, lessening the environmental impact of how much water typically coincides with with the manufacturing process. And that all came that all came through an ideation session, an innovation mm -hmm. session that Levi's was applying within their place of work. So super similar um, to what Dr. Ike does at the pre-conference workshop as kind of talks to attendees from all different companies, shapes and sizes and teaches them like, how do you go back to your place of work and have these types of novel ideas and develop um, you know, the right questions and the right tools and fun processes to bring the best ideas out within your, within your company. So mm -hmm. that's just a, another shameless plug for the, for the pre-conference mm -hmm. workshop. No. And I love that example too, just how much, you know, getting those employees that are in, in it and, and see it every day that sometimes the executive or the higher ups don't see. And so I love that innovation and, and thinking outside the box, but also just how much it can make a ripple effect and impact for the company, but the environment, so many things. So I'll make sure to put in the show notes, the link to CultureCon, but I appreciate you so much. And I'm so proud of you for leaning into this and for all the impact and change that you're making on so many people. Ball. So keep shining bright and keep doing it, Nick. I'm proud of oh you. Oh my gosh, John, that means that uh, it means the world coming from you. Thank you for being such oh. a source of support and inspiration for all of us that know you and are lucky enough to call you a friend. It means mm. a lot. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining me today and talking on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Don.